0: We're back on Valentine's Day. You're back. There's a lot of love in the room right now. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, tech, and special guest producer. Oh. In for the lovely and talented Sammy McKee is Ryan Fabulous. Fabro.
1: Fabro's like the boss producer. You guys who don't know that he's like he's like the producer of the producers. He, he, he doesn't even want to talk to us today, but he's he's the guy.
0: And do I have to be on my best behavior oh, yeah.
1: now? Yeah, you cannot say. Uh, oh, I, know, I almost said some of the words you no. would say, but don't say them. Say crap. You can say poop, poop, <laughs> crap, doo <doo-doo>. doo.
2: <laughs>
1: All of those are acceptable. Just no shite. No, none of that. None of Keep that. Keep that e on it, and you're safe.
0: Will you be talking today? Fabulous? He's a mime. Oh, my gosh. We're going with Derek. <laughs> I'm here for you guys. <laughs> Thanks, you <dude>. are constantly.
1: <laughs> I can be just as big as a fanboy as Sam, can, as Sam All right. is.
0: Hey, and, and it doesn't have to be Christmas
1: for you to bring us treats either. I just want you to know that. I'm sorry. The box of chocolates here is for the wife. He had rosebuds here last time when you were gone, so it, it hasn't been that long.
0: Well, it's all good.
1: How was Florida, Kipper? You missed two Leafs hockey games, but you didn't Uh, miss them. You watched them. Cut the corner of my eye. Uh,
0: Every once in a while, you duck into a a bar and... uh, Can you put on the uh, Leaf-Calgary game on, please? They're like, the what now? Those are Canadian (laughs) cities. (laughs) We have on bowling and poker. I have to remind them they have a team as well called the Florida Panthers. Pretty good one. (laughs) Yeah. Are they up to, like, can they draw now 10,000? Are they up to 10,000 on average?
1: Well, yeah, With a, I think they have a 900 winning percentage and they're up to 10K. That's all it takes. And Super Bowl, was it a good one for you? Did you make some money? Everybody's... I made $15. I think in the grand scheme of Super Bowl betting, there are some people who would take my outcome at the end of the day.
0: Now, I missed the beginning of a conversation you were having with uh, our uh, talented producer, Fabulous, but... Was he telling you that he was setting up his kids yesterday for prop bets? Yes, he was telling me that.
1: <laughs> and how old are the kids? <laughs> Eight and six. Eight and six.
0: <laughs> Way to go. Listen, sports betting There's not legal. They won't.
1: There is no college money by then. If I had to guess, we're talking about blue Gatorade and the Gatorade jug, those type of prop bets. But you know, the, the coin toss. This is where we're going. Indoctrinate the children.
0: Oh, my goodness. KipperBet.org. That next generation. It's going to be
1: live any day now.
0: I am nervous for that next generation. Yeah, you should be. I should be. So, I missed, uh, for the most part, the shows to come off a loss against Calgary. Mm -hmm. No weekend shows, but here we are Monday talking about another loss to the Vancouver Canucks for the Toronto Maple Leafs, one where they saw 50 shots on goal. And for the first time since October, JB, back-to-back losses.
1: Yeah. You know, this is um, what we do as a show, and all shows, I think, that are worth their salt. You break down where things went wrong and why they lost, and so you end up looking at the problems. So let me get out ahead of all that and just say, they were awesome. They were really, really good in two losses. I thought both games uh, controlled the run of play, got a lot of shots, a lot of chances. Uh, I think a large part of why we're having the discussions we're having here today, or we're going to have, they got out goaltended. They got out, out goaltended pretty handily by two very good goaltenders goal in Markstrom and, and Demko. And right now, the, the Leafs are going through a goaltending lull to the point where you're starting to wonder. I think people out there are starting to go, okay, well, is Campbell? He's going to be all right, though, right? Because Kipper, since December first, Jack Campbell has an 893 save percentage. He was a 9.54 before that, so that's over 13, 14 games on both sides of December first. So he has been in a rut for a while, and Mrazek didn't give us any more confidence. Well, we're
0: going to get into the, that that type of uh, goaltending that you're speaking of, and the drop off and what that means. Uh, we got a terrific show for you today. Uh, Emily Kaplan as well later on in the hour. Right. Craig Simpson's going to come by in a few minutes and recap. Uh, Both games against Calgary and Vancouver. And where that leaves, the Toronto Maple Leafs going in tonight against the Seattle Kraken. Their first visit, of course. This
1: is it? First ever, right?
0: Got canceled because of uh, COVID. Oh, yeah, COVID. I remember that. So uh, that'll be great. And uh, Everett uh, Fitzhugh with Seattle Kraken, uh, radio play-by-play voice of Seattle, is also going to join us and. And give us uh, just an overall feel for Seattle in their in their first season. Not quite Vegas-like mm, yet. Not, not qu-
1: remotely Vegas-like. Nope.
0: But Everett will tell us there's still time.
1: There is still time. I look forward to hearing all about that. I actually genuinely do because they have been not that interesting to follow.
0: So... Before we dive into what we witnessed, uh, including the, the weekend, of course, let's get to Gabby, Bruce Boudreaux's comments on not really caring that they Love this. got outplayed or outgoaled.
2: They won. Yeah, we've heavily outshot teams. I've been on teams that have heavily outshot teams uh uh, a lot, and we've lost, and nobody felt sorry for us, so I don't care if we got outshot, I don't care if we got outplayed, we ended up winning the game, and that's the bottom line, uh, and uh, I mean, it would take a fool to think that uh, uh, we know, don't know the goalie was amazing, And but he's our goalie, and we get to have him every night, so uh, we get an amazing goalie in every single night, so that's great for us.
1: Here's our goal. he's our goalie. I love that. I absolutely love that part of the quote. like the,
0: And not apologizing.
1: No. You're allowed to have a good goalie. He's a player on your team. And This is something the analytics era has completely ruined. They're like, wow, well, actually, you know, uh, they controlled the run of play and had the expected goals where it's like, yeah, but you know why the other team won? One of their players is better, and it's their goalie. It's a pretty important position. I don't position care if giver. we
2: got outshot. I don't <laughs> care if we got outplayed.
1: Yeah. What do you I think? don't care. No, we won because our goal is good, and he's a player on our team. For for Leaf fans, like, excuse me, but what
0: do you think happened in the first 35 games of this season? You've been on the other h- side of how that. Many, how many nights have you said that? We're not apologizing because Jack Campbell was amazing.
1: No, he's a he's guy on our team.
0: And essentially, if you really take a good look at from the Tampa Bays to Colorado to... Montreal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you get that type of goaltending. Where do you put your percentage of winning a game? 65, <laughs> 75%? Yeah. And it doesn't really matter which team out of the 32. When you get that type of goaltending, you have a much better chance of winning the hockey game despite the shots on goal and and the territory yeah. that's covered over 60 minutes.
1: And you know what? Sheldon Keefe talked a bit about the, this in saying that like, he's the coach of the players, right? He coaches the players. The players played very well. There is a goaltender coach on both sides. He wasn't that disappointed with how his team played because that's what he can help control. Let's listen to what he had to say explaining his angle on it. Spot them a 2 nothing lead. It's a team that relies on world-class goaltending to win games as it is. Then you
2: give them a 2 goal lead and... It's uh, it's not pill climb from there. Love that our guys kept fighting, two huge power play goals to even the game. Uh, tough one to give up in the second there to to give them the lead back, and you know, that's you know, goaltending is the difference. But really,
1: for me, because I don't coach the goaltender on the other side, uh, it's about the, our you know the two goals we give them off the stop off the hop. A team
0: that relies on world class goaltending. Not a he compliment. Doesn't say, he doesn't
1: even say. Uh, good goaltending no like world class he's like they need a prime dominic Hassock to get wins and that's what they got so what sheldon's
0: saying is your team stinks and the only way you had a chance to ever win especially against us when the goaltender stands on his head and it's and he spins
1: <laughs> it's actually it's actually funny because it's the complete opposite of what bruce brudrow said about the leafs who was like yeah they're unbelievable that is a great team the most firepower we've seen Sheldon Keefe was like, uh. you know, both coaches got a pretty good feel for where they're at in their respective arcs, I think. at least didn't leave that game feeling like their worst team.
0: As far as the Leafs are concerned, again, the numbers were off the charts for Jack. And they have come down to earth, and you just stated it. That, ha- that cannot be a huge surprise. No. Which means that between the thought of getting a 950 save percentage out of Jack in the first 20 to 35 games where are you building mm-hmm. the team up so when the fall comes in you're better prepared and i just don't know between calgary and vancouver if they're if they're a team now Equipped for that drop off.
1: Well, it exposes issues that they already had and issues that you and I talked about. But you know, some of the defensive issues. You know, we we've talked at nauseum about Justin Hall. You know, Lilligren, Sandine. We've talked about that second pair, but like, you know, that first goal the Canucks scores, Hall jams it up the wall where there's three Canucks. He then misses a stick check. It then gets passed through him. A guy who's going by him wide. He's twisting the wind. Then he's on the ice trying to block a shot. I oh mean, my gosh, he was a spinning top.
0: Swimming in front of the net like he's a seal at SeaWorld <laughs> and, looking for a sardine.
1: And <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I tweeted something a little aggressive. But you got to put him in the press box or the AHL. I shouldn't have said the second part. But, I mean, man. He, The reality, Kipper, and it's coming, becoming clearer to me that they got the absolute prime of his career, the very best year he could have had beside Jake Muzzin last season. I think he's probably a number five D, a third pair guy that, you know, was playing a bit above his head or at his very best. And I don't know that they can comfortably expect him to play like he has played in past seasons going forward. I don't know if you can count on it going into playoffs.
0: And this is... This is where you really find yourself in trouble is that you're, you're trying to build a team that can win four rounds and on a championship team, Hall is a third pair guy.
1: Mm -hmm. And a good one, right? 15 minutes PK. Uh, Okay.
0: I don't think you get 15. You get probably. uh, Yeah. I mean,
1: on the low side of that, maybe just a little lower, a little
0: lower in regulation. But
1: that's, stick, that's, that's where he is.
0: Pitcher now, Hull last year on Tampa Bay. Put him on St. Louis a few years ago. Playing beside there's, just,
1: there's or just, or something. There's
0: no, there's no top four scenario over the last no, few Stanley Cup teams that Justin Hall is a top four guy. And yet the, the, the ask continues to be there.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Sheldon Keith, you know, went on about Lilligren and Sandine, which to his credit, and again, I'm not saying that Keefe shouldn't be saying this stuff. He's talking about how he has some faith in these guys. You know, they they had a tough night against the Rangers uh, a while back, but he, he liked how they've bounced back. Uh, Kyle Dubas made some comments about watching what these guys can become. They have some faith in these guys, but Kipper, even if these guys are good, like, I don't they just, we, we know, they need to do something this decor, but you've said it on this show, it probably needs to be two guys, not one. In terms of what they're yeah, bringing Yeah,
0: you know, and there's part, parts of me, and I wasn't on the show Friday, I didn't get a chance to kind of talk about uh, the Calgary game, but when I watched Anderson come down the wall,
1: off the face-off.
0: Off the face-off. This was the 2-1 goal Hannafin. Yeah. Where I watch Lilligren chase, I think, Kachuk to the tops of the circles and then allows Anderson to come down the wall. And I'm thinking, oh man, Sandine's now got to play a two-on-one down low. And I look and it's not even Sandine. It's John Tavares.
1: Because Sandin's been pulled up high too.
0: Because he's been pulled up high. And it's one thing, JB, to look at this Leaf team and and naturally say, well, they could use another D or two. But then I'm watching these essential mistakes where they're totally Mm -hmm. exposed, they totally misread, and the guys that they have have to do a better job reading and reacting,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that goal to me is, is really the biggest issue. It's not that they're still missing one or two guys. It's when you're out there, you can't have those break breakdowns. You can't. Right. It's a two-on-one on Jack Campbell, and it's the two defensemen.
1: That are gone.
0: That are uh, Calgary's defensemen are creating a two-on-one off of a a defensive face-off.
1: Right. So then why is it a two-on-one? Well, shouldn't there be someone on the on the far side guy too? Well, that's Willie. Willie let it, uh, Hannafin skate right past him. That's his only assignment in the D zone. Do you remember against the Rangers, the Chris Kreider goal that was off a face-off? Yeah. It was Lilligren on the wall. Same thing. Sandine in front of the net. Same thing. Lilligren uh, gets bullied by Kreider and Sandine gets pulled up away from the net. And then neither of them take Kreider who ends up left alone in front. Like, I don't know if it's these two guys blowing coverages or if teams are just saying, okay, we know how the Leafs play these face-off plays and they pull the the D out. Either way, it's, uh, you know, I I agree that it's a major issue. Probably something that a veteran defenseman on either pair says, okay, both of us can't get pulled this far away from our goaltender because you're right. They're getting exposed on some of these plays.
0: And... When when I see a play like that, off the face off, when Lilligren has no regard of situational, and w- w- uh, a sense of where the puck is or what's happening, it's clear to me, the instructions are man to man defense.
1: Grab your guy,
0: grab your 100%. guy, percent, and just and it doesn't matter, and. Again, that's that's a Sheldon issue right now. Yeah. Do you want these guys playing man-to-man? Because I don't for that same reason why Hannafin just made the score 2-1. Well,
1: I think this is a crucial point you're making because I, I was talking with a guy who works uh, for an NHL team um, about defenses now, and he said the last couple years, more teams are going to man-on-man D-zone coverage he said maybe a third of the teams in the league, Carolina is p- purely man-on-man. Man. It's clear. If you have the D-men, that makes sense to me, right? Because you count on your guys not to get beat. If, if you have a lot of guys you don't necessarily n- trust in one-on-one situations, it's, it's a little dicier, and I think that's a situation guys like Lilligren and Sandin are finding themselves in. All
0: right, let's go to a trusted voice for us uh, every weekend on Hockey Night in Canada. Craig Simpson joins us. Uh, Craig, thanks for doing this. How are you?
2: I'm okay, boys. How are you? We're good.
0: Uh, I think Leaf fans, I think for the most part, feel like they should have had better results in in Calgary or at least Vancouver for sure. Calgary, I'm not so sure about. Um, But did you just see a a team that thoroughly outplayed another team and just ran into a hot goaltender? Or are there some other things that uh, you think... uh, the Leafs still have to to fix to be truly known as a, a contender by April May.
2: Well, I, I think you know that you, you're going to play 82 games, uh, and you get through stretches where you're not always perfectly sharp on on everything. Uh, I thought probably in Calgary the the shots on goal. I, I didn't mind the uh, the way Sheldon handled that one after, just saying you know it was a frustrating loss. You got a bunch of goals in a short period of time, a couple of missed assignments. So a lot of the details weren't great, but it was a pretty hard fast game that uh, I didn't think that they backed down on the, the Vancouver game was one. You just, you know, especially against a team like Vancouver that you, you go in feeling you got a good chance to to get two points out of just getting down by two goals is what, you know, forced them again to try to rally from behind and, I thought it was a killer goal. That third goal just made such a um, momentum change in the game. But, you know, then when the push comes on, that's what can happen when you get against a hot goaltender. And Demko, let's face it, was exceptional in that game. But uh, again, the start sort of put them in that predicament that no matter how many, would they end up with 52 or 53 shots, it, you know, you end up with a frustrated night.
1: Craig, do you blame uh, Mrazik for that third goal? I, I thought Sheldon Keefe kind of did in his post-game uh, press conference. I know it's a rush play, but uh, or is it uh, more on the players allowing that to unfold?
2: Well, it's a, it's a rush play, um, but you know that you got to be aware of where it is as well. So yeah, I think you you probably could pin a little bit of blame on on Mrazek, but also that's another little breakdown when. When everything was going at the other end and the puck was, you know, spending most of the time uh, at Demko's end, that's just a killer of a goal. And I, I think that's what you know as a coach. You go in instead of yeah. uh, finishing off a real good comeback second period, you're now all of a sudden down. And so I thought it would have been disappointing on a number of fronts. And, you know, that's maybe one that you, you felt uh, Morazic would find a way to, to get a piece
0: I was just uh, thinking on on Saturday night, if if it was Jack Campbell that led in those first two goals early, it would feel like a much different (laughs) conversation right now with you. But it was Mrazik. So although we never really thought, Craig, that Jack would would be able to sustain the level that he had in those first 35 games, does it help a little bit that Mrazik may have the same issues and maybe the... It's not so much the the drop off in goaltending, but maybe what's happening in front of these goalies.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a piece of that, Nick. Uh, I, I think let's face it though. You you look at goaltenders, um, with the exception of you know the elite elite, will go through stretches just like teams do, where even if you're playing well, all of a sudden you know four or five are getting in and. Uh, I think that's what you have to really be conscious of and self-evaluate your own game about is, you know, there's been stretches where for Campbell, okay, you can show the replays again and screenshot here, yeah, you know, through a crowd tip, even the Calgary game, you know, the last goal definitely didn't even see the one off the face off gets tipped. Another one gets tipped in front. But if it continues on for a longer stretch than say three or four games, uh, you know, that's a scenario where you have to then really look and say, okay, are there holes in the way that you're playing now? And I think goalie coaches would be the ones to answer, you know, technically are you sound? Uh, Energetic-wise, are, are you a little bit over-anxious or are you a little bit fatigued? Let's face it, you know, even the Leafs losing two in a row, there they hadn't done that in uh, since mid-December. It's been a long run since they've gone into any kind of funk. And for Jack Campbell, Nick, I would say the same thing. He's had pucks going by him, and he's been giving up more goals, but he still hasn't lost two games in a row for 24 starts. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to be overly critical, but it's definitely a stretch where he's got to find that, that swagger again or that confidence again, and you need a couple of games where you're going, no, I was the best goaltender on the night, uh, on the ice tonight, and I guess you haven't really seen that and that hasn't allowed him to get into that uh, same rhythm again.
1: Simmer, so I'm reminded of the quote from Sheldon Keefe during All or Nothing where he, he complains about a goal, his goalie gave up, and the goalie coach says, well, it was tipped, and Keefe says something like, well, can he stop one of the ones that gets tipped? You know, like you're yeah. allowed to stop those two, right? So Yeah, know, no question. You understand some frustration there. Um, I want to talk about the... The leaf second line, Alexander Kerfoot, sat the last, last 10 minutes on Saturday night. Ilya Mikheyev joined JT and Nylander. What are your thoughts on uh, the long-term projection for what that second line looks like and who gets that coveted spot?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I, I sort of noticed in the second period, especially there was one or two times Mikheyev cycled in there, and then the last shift of the period... Uh, you know, Mikheyev was there instead of Kerfoot. So I I just think with uh, Sheldon with Kerfoot, he he knows that he's a guy who can play up and down the the line. He knows that, you know, he's pretty reliable uh, from a defensive perspective. He's a pretty diligent worker. But I think at times he can get a little overextended. I I think it's difficult for him, as it is, as you guys know, for most players, to be a top-six player every single night. I mean, you got... Your matchups are difficult. The pace of your game always has to be razor sh- you know, sharp and hot. And I think that he looks down and says, okay, it's not really happening for Kirkwood I, I don't remember any specific, you know, turnover plays or something drastic that you'd say, okay, that that gives you a chance to sit him down and send a message. But I do think with Mikheyev, you just add a different element, a little bigger body, a little bit more speed, get in and try to get those guys going. So I don't think there's any penciled in number 15 on that second line all the way through, I think Sheldon would probably be looking and say, can I find maybe something from Mikheyev? If if Mikheyev can ever consistently have hands around the net and, you know, be calm in those scoring positions, he's a real valuable guy. So, uh, and I think as you guys look to the trade deadline and what, I mean, everybody looks around. Kerfoot's a really serviceable guy but he's also a cap hit that, you know, he might be the expendable guy to add something somewhere else. So I think that's why you see a lot of rotations up there to, for Sheldon to go, you know, what do I have in that role on the left wing, on the second line, if I need it.
0: Craig, you were a guy that uh, spent a lot of time on on top lines in the National Hockey League. Is there a chance that Kerfoot is sitting there today going you know, I'm a little ticked off. Maybe at Tavares and and Nylander. I'm having a pretty good year here, and I'm kind of taking the heat right now. And over the last 12 games, I think Tavares and Nylander have been outscored 13 to four on right. on yeah. five on five. I'm I'm taking the heat. You guys, you guys haven't been very good either.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, there's a lot of internal thoughts you have. <laughs> you know that. Uh, I think every player you know, looks and says, hey, am I getting the same treatment as the other guy? Well, maybe not, and, and maybe rightly so or wrongly so. But there, there's no question that a little bit of a drop-off, or quite a quite a drop-off uh, of that Nylander-Tavares, you know, uh, experiment. So, yeah, the tinkering didn't happen necessarily with them, but it has in the past. Remember the splitting up of the, you know, top three guys and having them all on three lines? Uh, I'm not sure if Sheldon would be back into that mode again. And if he says, let's give that shake up to see if we can get a spark. I thought Nylander and Tavares, you know, battled a little harder. And Tavares obviously made that really, you know, a couple nice plays in front of the net for a goal. But uh, yeah, Nick, it's, you know what it's like. It, it's not fair. yeah, It's not the fair league, right? No. You guys have both lived it. Yeah. Hey,
0: 11 million and 7 million between the two of them,
1: and I'm at three and a half, guess who's going to get blamed? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's time for somebody to, you yeah. to get the stick, and it's you. Um, you know, we, we were talking before you came on about uh, Justin Hall and the second pair. One of the, the discussion points I think that's relevant tonight is, you know, th- they're playing a Seattle Kraken team that during the expansion draft selected Jared McCann because the Leafs protected Hall. The fantasy yeah. for the Leafs, right, was you get the second pair guy at two million bucks, who looked like a really solid second pair guy. Do you think he can be that guy again, or are you looking at him and just saying, "Boy, I think they, you know, it was his career best year, and that's they're not going to see that version of him again."
2: Yeah, I, I think you know. Ultimately, you said the mouthful there, right? You, you go. We we have an opportunity if he does what we expect or think he can. He's at the right number, he's at the right age, he can fit right in there. And they were hoping for, instead of an up-and-down, sputtered kind of season, that that he's had. And to his credit, I think he's worked pretty hard at trying to get better. He's always a good competitor. But, you know, they had in their mind, you could come in and solidify that role and know exactly what you want. I think all he has done, I don't think they're in the mindset of, you know, being sour on him or or trying to get rid of them or unload them or getting too hard on them. I think if, if nothing else, you're literally working with them every day. You're trying to prop them up. You're trying to give them good situations to see if you can get that traction going. But now all of a sudden we've talked about it. I think the last time it does open up, you say, okay, we, we saw what we had when Muzzin was hurt. If we get another injury, which you guys know you're going to have come playoff time or even down the stretch, I think it does open the door that we got to find somebody who can be a three-four every day, and we don't really have to worry about. And you know, it's easier said than done, guys. Every team that's trying to go deep is looking for that. But I think Hall, the way his his inconsistency, probably pushes that even a little bit more. If he was having a breakthrough year and a step up even from last year, I think that it would change exactly what they're looking for in that in that position come trade
0: deadline we can certainly pick a few holes uh, on a couple of different things when we we still talk about the toronto maple leafs but where you can't right now is that power play you've been around a long time you played on some great teams mm-hmm. with great power plays where does this rank in, in terms of overall skill level or uh, how dangerous they are uh, over the years that you've played or 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 covered nhl hockey you
2: know- You know what's impressive, Nick? And even last year, remember how good they were early. Like, they were 40-some-odd percent the first 15, 16 games. And you go, holy cow, they're going to have an amazing year. And then it got out of sync. And then, you know, teams every day uh, game plan and check you differently and have a way of shutting you down. But, But probably the most impressive for me, has been the consistency factor of it. And there hasn't been those huge drop-offs. You know, they had the one stretch at the beginning of the year, uh, six games, 0 for 17. Okay, every power play is going to have that. But you're now looking at, you know, 29 of 45 games they've been able to score. Eight times they've had five, two or more uh, goals. They had a five straight where they scored two in a row, you know. So I, I think the consistency is what I'm most impressed with. Uh, Their puck movement isn't stagnant. Their body movement changes, so the threats go from different areas. And I think I like that, you know, that mindset of don't become too predictable. And when they have gone on a little stretch, they haven't been afraid to cycle to guys to different sides and create the threats, you know, from a different area that maybe you weren't expecting coming into it. So uh, I think that's probably what's been the best. And if they can keep this going, you know – it's only gonna matter really in the playoffs if your right. power play or your penalty killing can stay at the level. But you know, all the fundamentals of their game, guys, have been good. Like they're they're top seven, at least going into last game, in goals four, fourth, goals against seven, mm-hmm. power play one, PK five, face off one. I mean, those are all key measurables that they've they've been consistent and they've been solid at. So it's it's hard to try to pick too many holes. Through that kind of uh, that kind of look,
1: well, that's kind of the thing. Is you know, sometimes Kipper and I get a little bit of flack for being hard on the Leafs, who have a crazy good winning percentage and they're having an awesome regular season. I guess my question is just if you think they need to look differently to have success in the postseason, because obviously all the things you just mentioned are wonderful. You know, we just we've had questions about the the depth, the defense, and physicality, and some of the things that have bit them in the butt in the past in the postseason. You know, do you yep. think they're on track or do they need to be a differently structured or different? Do they need to be different to win in the postseason?
2: Well, I, I think they know that they have to have a bit of a different makeup. I think they've addressed that. I mean, listen to me, uh, having Bunting, Kasha and Camp, uh, and a healthy now Mikheyev just changes your forward group. I mean, that, that's basically four guys that are 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 a different look but fill specific roles and i think that's one thing that was maybe missing one thing that i never really felt comfortable with last year was when you when you had joe thornton and simmons and that you weren't able to have a specific role for them uh because you know when the playoffs come and it gets it gets harder it gets faster it gets tougher i don't think at the pace of their game they were able to play there whereas these guys have speed cashier, can play that kind of game. That's more playoff uh, style game as is bunting. So basically you eliminated uh, the, you know, a a look when you uh, Zach Hyman type player and almost brought in three kind of similar guys. And so I do think there is a depth that they have that they didn't, but let's face it. The part of the challenge is going to be both for the players and the coach. If something goes bad early in the first playoff round, with that power play, Nick, that you're talking about, are you quickly changing it, changing personnel, or do you have faith in your guys that they can you know, find a way to get through it? Or if you have a game where you can't score or you're getting shut down, are you switching lines in a blender right away? Or do you have faith now that this group understands and how they have to play different? That'll be the big test, and you guys will have months to talk about it until it comes, but as you know, it, it's not really going to be – uh, front and center and reveal itself and, until playoffs actually do come here. And you almost, I, I was saying to Chris Cuthbert the other day, I almost hope it's a real dangerous team. They have to play like one of the best to like get Florida or get Tampa or something. Mm-hmm. Cause you have to have an opponent that first round that you're scared to heck that you're going to be embarrassed by. If you have another opponent that you think you should beat or, you know, should beat, or maybe it's not a great matchup. They don't have a star. I, I don't think that's what the Leafs need right now. I think they need to be pushed and pushed from game number one.
0: I it almost seems to me, Craig, where it's it's heading towards the Leafs being the underdog in the first round here and whether or not that could actually come into play well for them.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. Like that's a that's why I said that first matchup. I I mean the whole Boston mentality of having to play the Bruins again and you've got history and yeah, that, that messes with you. Matchups, maybe not as good, but a team like Columbus where let's, let's be honest. And you guys have both been on teams probably that you, you didn't have enough respect for them and you weren't scared to death that uh, Kucherov's going to embarrass you or points going to light you up. You're like Columbus, we can beat them. Their D's not as good as that. They don't have that's exactly what the Leafs don't need. And I think a little fear and and a, and a top-notch team right out of the gate is going to push them to see if they can be the team that they need to be.
1: For sure. Well, one of the uh, things I wanted to get your take on before we let you go, Craig, was the Calgary Flames made a trade today, uh, something we haven't really discussed much. I guess the, the Montreal Canadiens yeah. picked up a first and a fifth and a prospect, and Tyler Pitlick for Tyler Toffoli – what are your thoughts on what this does for the Flames now? That's a pretty good addition, uh, not, not taking anyone off the current roster.
2: Well, it's it's an addition, and it's a clear message, isn't it? Like, Sure. It, it's a message to the team that's actually feeling pretty damn good about themselves right now, and a team that's got a goaltender that is looking a lot different than the guy who came into Calgary last year. He's looking like the guy he was in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a message sent to every single guy that – okay, the commitment is here now. It's time. This is a year we're not going to let slide by. Uh, I think it's a great message. I think it's like any deals for talented players. And Toffoli's one cup. He understands the, the playoff game. I like him a lot as a player. You know, you, you're you going to have to overpay. I, that's, a, that's a pretty big price to pay. Uh, but I do think it's like, man, he could fit in beautifully in a team that hes he doesn't hurt you a ton defensively. He adds so much offensively, and he's another good playoff-style guy in the room. I, I think it's a great move.
0: And and it's not a deadline deal. They get him for almost half a yeah. season to go, and it's Daryl Sutter's hand-picked guy. They won together in L.A. He's not getting someone that he's going to have to kind of a break in and and get yeah. and, and 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 buy into my program. He knows exactly who he's playing for, and Daryl knows exactly what he's getting.
2: Yeah, and you said a mouthful there of you know some players coming in and going, "Oh my God, I got to deal with Daryl. How am I going to handle that?" You're right. It's not not only the coach knowing exactly what he's got in the player; it's the player with a seamless move. Okay, I've seen this act. I know what to expect here. I know how I have to act. And most importantly, he comes in knowing exactly how you have to play for Daryl. So yeah, there's, there's that definitely doesn't go unnoticed.
0: Hey Craig, really appreciate your time. Have a great week, okay? All right, boys, take care. See ya. Thanks, nice Simmer. Craig Simpson, Hockey Night in Canada. You know the the one thing that I, it's. it's Kind of a double-edged sword, but the Zadorov hit. Did you guys get into that a lot on on Thursday or well, on Friday? No,
1: G- Oh no, we didn't get into it a lot. We okay. talked about it.
0: But. All right. So, and I think you, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm teeing your I'm I'm teeing up your big piece coming up this week.
1: Yes. Okay. Because I'm
0: I'm it's the Kasha hit yep. in Calgary, which was a big hit, and we know Zadorov likes to do that. Probably is not as much as teams like Colorado or Chicago or even Calgary would like. Mm-hmm. I think he picks his spots a little bit too much for me. And I have no doubt in my mind that he he went the extra mile against the Leafs because no one is in there. No Simmons,
1: no Richie, no Clifford.
0: nothing credit card. <laughs> <Just> how- <laughs> who's going right? to
1: make me pay? No, one. I'm walking gonna make out you pay? the door
0: after that meal, but this is the part that, I don't like is that if I looked at the Toronto Maple Leaf roster mm-hmm. and I needed to, to have one guy go get into Zdorov's face, how many guys on the Leaf roster would I need to get to before I get to Morgan Riley?
1: Yeah. Can I ask a question? Why is it illegal for Pierre Engvall to be angry? Or to like be involved in something. The man is six five and carved from granite. Could, so, how what's his so the, value the, the if he's play, someone who the, cares the, like, the play, that? Going, like that?
0: The play is going. The play is going up the ice. Yeah. And there's no one on the ice. Spezza. Yeah. There's Brody. Morgan was actually closest <laughs> to the bench, so in theory maybe he could have gone for a line change, but he chooses not to. And Angvall.
1: Engvall was on the ice? Oh, yeah. I, I was just pulling that Oh, hat. no, no,
0: no. He was right there. And all I'm thinking of is if I'm Angville
1: this is a chance to be valuable.
0: And I'm watching Morgan Riley go after Zadoroff while I don't. I- I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping well that night. No. I would feel horrible. That I we gotta get we gotta. Imagine Riley gets our, hurt or our something. Our number one defenseman. I'd be mean, like me in, in in New York, finding out watching Leach after. A guy. B- Brian, <laughs> watching Brian Leach go after somebody. I'm I'm on the ice.
1: Yeah, like excuse me, I'm, Brian. I'm going to take this. I'll, one.
0: I'll take a fifty thousand dollar suspension <laughs> before yeah. I let Brian Leach go in there. Yeah, and you can talk about how again. You can talk about all how close you are as a team and you know, Wayne Simmons, uh his comments were uh very positive to to Morgan Riley for doing that. That's the type of guy he is. But it doesn't speak
1: well as says, loud
0: as loudly for Morgan Riley as it does for the other guys that would allow Morgan Riley to go in, in there and do that. I like your point. Okay.
1: Yeah. It says something if it if it says something about Morgan, it says something about the people who didn't do it.
0: Oh uh, much more. Yeah. And that just bugged me Thursday night.
1: That's fair. It's a fair point. I think you're totally justified in that. The the piece that I do have coming out you mentioned is going to be on Kasha and how he gets utterly blown up once per game. And so my point is not that Kasha is soft or injury prone because this guy should be hurt badly. He keeps coming back. You can't kill this guy. He continues to come back, but you should not be getting hit this hard this often. Like, I don't know if it's a lack of vision, awareness, what it is. How often do you see Mitch Marner get hit like that? How often does he see Patrick Kane get hit like that? You, they just, they, you never, ever, ever, ever. Yeah, let alone is, once per is. night, Kasha gets absolutely He tracked. is.
0: He's a piñata.
1: So, they got to talk to the guy because, quite frankly, I think he's best fit beside Tavares and Nylander uh, on the second line. I just don't trust that he's going to be able to be on the rink in the playoffs. I don't think there's any chance he can play 20-some playoff games playing like that.
0: I just... They just want to come up the middle of the ice. They just, no, and, and Kasha's on the wall, and uh, it's not always about getting to the middle of the ice. Sometimes you got to come up the wall, buddy.
1: Yeah, sometimes you, you got to fold a hand in poker. You got to punt the football sometimes. You, you just can't make a play every time. Anyway, we should get to break so we can get to Emily. All right. <laughs> I can I could have done, done right. that more formally, I guess.
0: Just one more thought on on Tavares and and Nylander because we did mention that goal that uh, Hannafin scored on, and you had mentioned to me earlier before the show that uh, Sheldon Keith kind of gave a little shot at maybe Ny- Nylander for yeah. missed assignments off a of face off. You yep. think that one was the one he was talking about? Totally.
1: Yeah, he he said you know the second goal you know we're we're letting guys go and then we're taking weak penalties. In which case, we in both cases means 88. Yeah. So,
0: And here's one that I look at, and and I'm critiquing Sheldon Keefe, but Mm -hmm. on that play that you just have spoken of, okay, nine out of ten times a coach will pull that line off the ice. Sheldon on a number of occasions have have watched breakdowns Mm -hmm. on lines, and then they – he does not change them. Yeah,
1: he'll say, "All right, well, learn from your yes. mistake." Yes, and, and yeah. you stay on there. So that was the second goal,
0: and that was also a turnover by Tavares or Nylander in the neutral zone. So they're having the shift from hell right now. I actually okay? think it was Nylander. Just flashed. It was Nylander yeah, who turned it, it over, and then took a hooking penalty, and then, and then three um, one. Goal, power play.
1: Yeah, listen, we were there for all the praise in the world for Willie, but he's got three 5-on-5 five five points in 13 games, and he's getting beat like a dog but, right now. But Sheldon. Love the guy. Pull him off the ice and give him crap
0: for, for the missed assignment. Don't, there, don't, don't but, let the snowball into a, a 3-1 score with the same line out there.
1: Yeah, I agree. Change. I agree. I just think these Leafs know, the top four guys know, they have to get played. So if you sit them down, it's just like, well, it's not like it's for a guy like you or me in the American League or wherever. If I get sat down, I'm worried it's going to cost me ice time and then my spot on that line and then my opportunity and this is the end of my career and I'm like for Willie. It's like I'll just take a break till the next time he uses me. I don't know that my point is I don't know if he can teach them anything or scare them or Uh, if they're just going to play the way they play.
0: All right. Now we'll go to break. Okay. All right, Emily Kaplan is coming up next. Emily's got 20 questions in uh, her ESPN.com article. Uh, from the Coyotes to Jack Eichel, who has been announced good to go. He will play. He's playing on Wednesday. He'll play on Wednesday. Who's out? How do they make that fit Mark under their cap? That and so much more still ahead on Real Kipper and Born.